Hello, humans. This is Brandon, and welcome back to the Not a Robot Indie Comics Review Show. Since it's been so long since we've had a chance to catch up, we'll be doing a bit of an overview of the month of July, talking about some of the various books we've read from different publishers outside of the big two. As always, I am Brandon, and I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm joined by my co-host, Julie. Hi, I'm Julie. I'm happy to be here as well. As I stated, we'll be looking at some of the various publishers that we have been reading books from throughout the month. This is a bit more of a relaxed podcast, not so formal and not so uh, scripted. So we'll just kind of be giving very general summaries and our feelings towards these books and uh, uh, get everyone up to speed. But um, before we do that, uh, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month. And thank you listeners, too. Like, download, and share our episodes so we get more listeners and can bring you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the Not A Robot podcast shows at notarobotpodcast.com. So with that out of the way, let's get into some other news. Uh, Julie, what's new with you this week? I started a new job this week. New training. And it's been fun. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like you're you're enjoying it so far. Nothing too crazy. Yeah, yeah. I get to do, I get to do the work of one person versus mm-hmm. doing the work of four people for half the price, half the wage. So I'm relaxed yeah. and happy. Super cool. <laughs> I'm getting sleep. <laughs> um, well, before we get into the books, like I said, I you know this is super open. So is there anything you know that that maybe we're not going to talk about in detail later on, but. Is there anything else that you did interesting in the month of July? Maybe you read something interesting that you'd like to share with the podcast or maybe some news you yeah. heard about? Um, I don't have any news news. However, I did end up going to Marcus Books in Oakland mm. and picking up a comic book that I read and finished and I'm very happy with. Nice. Yes. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, I, I don't... I don't have too much personal news. It's kind of been the same old for me. Um, if, if any listeners out there uh, listen to the DC or Marvel show, it's kind of been the same schedule for me for the past few months. Um, we were talking before the show, and you know, it, it had been a while since we'd recorded an episode. I, I kind of forgot where we left off, but I think the last time we talked was spring. So it's definitely been a while, and there's been a lot of, of crazy you know, comic news and everything. So we're not even going to try and attempt to, to cover, um, you know, everything that has come out. But um, I, I did want to just make, you know, maybe two announcements. One, um, I mentioned this on the DC podcast, but for any listeners out there who are fans of uh, the comic writer Scott Snyder, he recently just announced a new eight-title book deal with uh, Comixology and Dark Horse, wherein Comixology will be publishing the books digitally at first, and then Dark Horse will be publishing the physical copies somewhere in 2022. Uh, I think that's super cool. It's, it's kind of a who's who of all the best artists he's worked with, so I'm definitely excited to check out some of those titles. Um, and then I guess this kind of is personal news, but um, this weekend uh, for any New Englanders is uh, Terrificon in Connecticut. Uh, it's at the Mohegan Sun, this you know convention center in Uncasville, 
Um, and it's going to be a pretty good show as per usual, but I'm definitely pretty excited because it'll be my first time actually getting to go there um, and, you know, do some interviews and go to some panels and everything. And it'll just be really nice. So for any listeners who are interested out there, you can check out the Terrificon website and um, look at some of the guests who are there. And if you have any questions that you'd like me to ask any of them, I'd be more than happy uh, to, you know, squeeze in a, a question or two um, during my interviews with some of the creators that'll be there. Um, it, it'd be my pleasure. So I'll be playing the roving reporter uh, all day tomorrow, pretty much. So definitely pretty excited for that. But um, anything else you want to share, uh, Julie? Um, support your local bookshops. Yes, that's, that's also good. Amazon should not be your only source for entertainment and other shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely easy to fall into that trap because it's it's just so easy to get the uh, get the books pretty fast. But yeah, definitely the convenience. Yes, the convenience. But yeah, definitely try and support your local shop when you can. They uh, they need every every little bit they can get. Uh, but yeah. Without further ado, let's get into some books for this week. So, um, you know, it, we don't really follow any formal schedule, like I said, of, of books that we maybe both read. So this is kind of an opportunity for us to just share, really, like I said, all the books we got a chance to read throughout the month of July. So I'm going to pass it to Julie to kick it off with, um, you know, some of the books that she got to read and then we'll just kind of go back and forth until you know we're uh where we felt that we've shared all that we have so julie why don't you get us started and uh and uh, we'll take it from there so i the last geiger that i read i think it was either issue three or four mm-hmm. where these two kids make it out of this town that they're in called a town town i don't know uh i guess their mother was an indentured servant and they were living there and then she gave them something secret plot to move the story mm. ended up outside with their lives and in the, and uh falling into the same storyline with our geiger person that's the last issue i read that was the cliffhanger where he's like hey you got any good books <laughs> <laughs> with you I'm yeah. like, oh shit, that's right, he's alone out there. Yeah. Um, and then I also read um crap, that Korean one. Uh with uh, basically about the AI that's like super intelligent but they don't know it yet, and the family's still wrapping their head around how intelligent she is and how much she loves books. Mm-hmm. And the the guy that gave her that AI, he got fired because he got caught in doing something that he wasn't supposed to in the company. So now he's made his way over to where that pers- where that machine is and just trying to figure out a way to get her back. And that's like the beginning of a conflict. Uh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Who then, um is was that made in Korea? Was that what it was yes! called? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um yeah, I guess we can uh uh just kind of pass it back and forth like i said um so okay i'm sorry you're right no you're good you're good um yeah so i i i guess i didn't really have a ranking for these but if i had to choose 
from books that I kind of rank, well, not rank, but like books that were more memorable versus ones that weren't quite as memorable. Uh, my first one had to go um, to Black Hammer Reborn, number two. Um, Dark Horse is very uh, good to send us copies of that book, and I've been following that since the first issue. This is basically the sequel to Black Hammer Age of Doom, which was also the sequel to the original Black Hammer series. Um, and I had a chance to finally catch up on pretty much everything Black Hammer. Um, so I've, I've kind of really gotten a chance to learn more about the world. But basically this issue is just kind of um, dealing with some, uh, some family drama around, um, you know, Black Hammer um, and her daughter, who's a bit more rebellious than she is and um, is sneaking into one of the Forbidden Zones in Spiral City and um, basically revolves around her story, her main story, along with um, kind of a backstory that we were being given on uh, Lucy's time as Black Hammer and um, how she was kind of operating and working with some of the people in Spiral City. And uh, I, I definitely thought this was a really, really solid second issue. Um, I think it, it kind of was an improvement from the first issue, which I thought was good, but I uh, was a little lukewarm on it first, but I think this one definitely stepped it up. And um, the art is, is also really, really well done um, from uh, Caitlin Yarsky, I believe her name is. Um, so yeah, Black Hammer Reborn number two. It's a, a Pretty pretty good job all around. Um, and then I had a chance to read Noctera number five from Scott Snyder. Um, this is just kind of continuing the first story arc of Noctera and uh, really gives a chance to explore the world of the, uh, the sanctuaries that um, Val and the other people um, in the truck have gotten a, a chance to learn about and um, it's, I think, I think this one is definitely really taking a chance to kind of dig in and explore some more mythology in the, the world of Noctera. So, um, this series is, is, you know, pretty solid. It's, it's really just kind of delivering and, um, I can't, I can't really complain. It's, it's just doing a really solid job and the art from Tony Daniel is, um, superb as is to be expected. So, uh, Noctera number five, also a really solid job all around. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this first art closes out. Um, I'll pass it back to you, Julie. What uh, what other two titles did you get a chance to read? I got to read uh, Time Before Time. Mm. I got to read issue number two on that, so the continuation of that story, mm. which you know brings you into the wider world suddenly. It's like, oh, yeah, you thought it was just this, but now there's all this happening. Yeah. <gasps> all right, there's an expansion on that. Um, I do like where it's headed. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, pause for thought on that one. Um, that was the time travel one, no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The last we left off from issue one was um, the, I guess the FBI agent had somehow in her attempt to capture this person sabotaged the machine mm-hmm. and it got them stuck somewhere where they shouldn't have been. And they're finding that out in the second issue, mm-hmm. exactly what, where they're not supposed to be <laughs> and trying to find a way out of it to get back. Oh, man, that's kind of crazy. I haven't gotten a chance to read that one, but it, it looks pretty cool and pretty trippy, and uh, I might uh, I might have to check it out at some point. I'm, I'm debating whether I should just follow it issue by issue or wait until it's you know a complete collection and just read it there. 
Sometimes I do that with stuff. It's easier to just, you know, it holds off on the the, the drama and the anticipation and just wait for the whole collection to come out. That way you can just read it in, in sequence. Yeah, yeah. So I can just kind of enjoy the, the full story. Hmm. Um, uh, I got a chance to read The Silver Coin, number four. This is the uh, fourth installment of the, uh, I guess, image horror anthology series that they've been doing where it's, a revolving cast of writers, but the same artist for each issue, that being Michael Walsh. Uh, this one was written by Jeff Lemire uh, for this month and took place in kind of this weird, you know, sci-fi, very 2000 AD um, Judge Dredd-esque future city where a bunch of scavengers are uh, on the run, basically, from the, I guess, central authority. And um, one of them happens to stumble into the ruins of the old city, um, and happens to find the silver coin, which seemingly infects her technology and uh, infects the technology of the uh, judge that was chasing her. And as per usual, the, the silver coin just kind of causes shenanigans in these people's lives without you know any explainable reason. Um, so it's just it's I think it's a really solid series for if you're just looking for a really good you know horror one and done type story, it will work for you. I will say though, if you kind of are a little um, you know unfamiliar with the mythology of what the actual silver coin is and how it works and what it does I would just say stay tuned for the fifth issue which apparently is going to be giving us the origin of the silver coin as it first appeared during Puritan times and hopefully that should clear up any kind of confusion that people have over how the curse of the coin actually works but um, this series is really good and it, it's just a great opportunity to kind of tell a bunch of different horror stories um, in, in a very concise fashion um, while also tying into the mythology of the silver coin. So it's really cool. Um, all right, Julie, how about you? It's funny you bring up silver coin. Uh, I read issues two and three. I didn't get to issue oh, yeah. four. Nice. Yeah. So uh, issue two was like your basic, you know, your camp horror. Yeah, event. yeah. You know, you, uh, this person being bullied, and finally the silver coin. She has the power to attack her bullies, and you know it just turns into this bloodbath, which was pretty fun. Mm. Um, and then the third one uh, was a murder. Yeah, it was a, a robbery and a murder and murder. <laughs> murder. A robbery and a murder that happened. Yeah. And I I just thought it was pretty interesting how you know in her being lured in by this coin, she lures in the people that are chasing her and mm. just wrecks everything and then kills herself in the end. And that was pretty fun. Oh yeah. I mean, not that murder is always fun. No, in this no. Context, as um, far as short horror stories go, it's pretty nice. Yeah. It just, like I said, it, I feel like it does a really great job of just kind of coming in and telling these, um, horrible horror stories that are, uh, really effective in, in, uh, in a, in a short and concise way. And, um, I, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm definitely really digging it, and um, I guess I don't know what, how you feel, but I, I'm not really sure exactly what the silver coin does. It seemingly just kind of takes control of you and, and makes you kind of crazy for a little bit until it gets what it wants, and I assume that's just blood. And then once it's done with you, it's that's it. I, I don't know what your take was on it. I, I, I'm not certain exactly what the silver coin wants, but it makes itself appear during a need 
and it gets what it wants out of that. So if it's like, okay, you need something and I need something, but I'm going to take it from you. Mm-hmm. But here, I'm going to make it seem like you're getting everything you want. And I think it's sort of an analogy for, you know, when you're handed things and you're handed advantages to be wary of the consequences of that. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great comparison. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of that, but I think, I think that's a good way to look at it. Because most of these, yeah, most of these scenarios are just like, you know, it seems like you're, it might be, I don't know, you might have some kind of out, right, that, that may yeah. help you in, you know, the short run, but in the long run, it's, it's really going to damn you because you look back and, oh my God, I've killed all these people, um, even if it gave me, you know, a brief respite or whatever it happens to be, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's just it's uh, it's definitely a really solid horror anthology, and um, the fifth issue, and I, I I don't think it's the final issue. It sounds like they've extended it to an ongoing, but uh, I believe the first collection will be coming out pretty soon. I think around Halloween, which is very smart Ooh. marketing. Yep, very smart marketing. <laughs> um, so I definitely encourage people to to uh, check it out if you haven't already. But. Um, Okay, we both read the silver coin. Um, uh, what else? Uh, I read um, Aaron Magruder's I Know You Don't Read the Newspaper. It's a collection of strips from like 1999 to 2000. Mm-hmm. I picked it up at Marcus Books, of all places, a uh-huh. bookstore in Oakland that specializes in uh, Latino and Black authors. Mm. Different array of books, and it's this cozy little shop. I love it. Um, but yeah, I picked it up there with a couple of other non-comic book books, and I was reading that. On, I was re- reading that on my downtime, and a lot of the strips gave me cause for pause. Of uh, especially when I was when I first started reading it, I was stoned, and I realized I need to be sober to read this because <laughs> right. <laughs> right. the, the the thought process that it would lead me down. It's like, whoa, okay, yeah. that's maybe too hard, too big of a swing. Let me do this in a way that I can comprehend the message that he's giving. And one of the early strips that pops out when he's trying to, um, uh, I guess, identify his characters, I guess, to, what's the, what's the word? To, to create like a stable structure for your characters so that you, when you go down the road, you know, you know, where the thread is at. Yeah. Um, especially with Huey, um, he's walking around this white neighborhood and this lady, old lady sees him and goes, oh my God, you're so cute. She makes comparable uh, references to like other uh, marginalized, uh, I guess, characters in black television Mm -hmm. where these, you know, black kids are seen as comic relief pets. Mm -hmm. And he has to, you know, straight up, I am not that. Like, don't get it twisted and she's still not getting it. And he's like, you just can't reach some people. But I am, like, he makes it clear in the most Aaron Regruder way <laughs> that he's just not this caricature that you think he is. Yeah, that's that's probably something you wouldn't want to read while stoned. Yeah, no, and <laughs> I, I, I probably lost a night thinking about what that meant, about, you know, what I've seen in television and what he's talking about and realizing that the two and two are very, very different. Not that I thought that Huey Lewis was a comic relief because I've seen the boondocks before, mm-hmm. but it really was able to bring into perspective the storytelling that you know, not all token black characters are the comic relief. They're just yeah. characters in the story. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a, a lot of of good food for thought. I would say uh, I've I've only ever gotten to read the show. I haven't read the the newspaper strip. Um, I like Julie said. I don't really get a chance to read a lot of um, 
newspaper strips. I read a lot of Calvin and Hobbes when I was a kid, but you know they had like a lot of those collections they put out that they have in libraries that you can read. Um, and uh, that's that's mostly where I read my stuff. Um, and uh, uh, it's it again. It's funny that we were talking about this shortly before we started recording, but uh, Julie had mentioned Marcus Books, which is in Oakland, and I mentioned that I I had grown up in Oakland and. Um, a lot of my memories of, of reading those collections of Calvin and Hobbes were, you know, begging my mom to pick up some of the ones that they had at the Barnes and Noble in Emeryville um, after we, you know, see a movie at the AMC nearby. And um, that, that's a whole other thing. We're, this has nothing to do with comics. This is just about my life, I guess. But um, Reminiscing. Yeah, yeah but um, that's, that's really cool. I'm glad you got a chance to check that out. Um, the next comic that I have to share isn't isn't quite as heavy. It's it's kind of a bit more silly, but I, I still love it. Um, I read Basilisk number two um, from Boom Studios. Uh, I kind of picked this one up on a whim because uh, I'd read the first issue also on a whim. Like it was just kind of sitting on a shelf in my LCS. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. Like it just had. You know, you just see something, you're like, oh, sure, why not? Like, it has a cool look to it. And you're like, oh, I have a couple pennies to spend. I can I can check it out. Uh, and I did, and I thought it was really cool. So I ended up coming back for the second issue. Um, and this one just kind of, you know, continues the story of the first one with these um, strange uh, enhanced beings known as the Chimera um, and following... Uh, one particular woman, Hannah's journey to get revenge on these enhanced beings after they basically massacred a town and her family. And um, it's, uh, I think this one was kind of a, a slower issue um, and kind of spent more time establishing some of the relationships between the Chimera and how they operate as, as a group and how some of the more independent Chimera operate and didn't really focus so much on our main character, Hannah. So I think that was kind of where it, it lost me a little bit because it, it focused a lot on her in that first issue and then just kind of took a backseat in the second one. So I'm hoping that the third one will kind of get us back to where we were with the first one so I can kind of keep my interest. But um, I mean, you know, it was, like I said, it still kind of did a solid job of keeping my interest and, um, and still was a, a decent second issue in um, the artwork by Jonah Sharp, who's an artist I, I hadn't heard of prior to reading this book, is, is really amazing. He does like almost like these watercolor um, pages uh, as the book starts uh, to kind of signify a flashback. And it's just a really creative way of doing it, and um, he, he just executes it really well. So I have to give him props there. Um, so yeah, Basilisk number two. Check it out if you have it, and try and pick up the first issue if, uh, if you can find it. Uh, how about you, Julie? Um, I had bought this set for uh, the comic series March mm. by John Lewis, um, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell. I had read the first one uh, last summer, last fall, mm-hmm. and I've and it's it's there's a lot of heavy details in that book, and I didn't want to move into the next one until I was ready after you know letting it kind of sit and stew, you know, not just jump into the next one and like, oh yeah, you just forgot all about this first one and now yeah. into this next one. I'd spent time thinking about the, I guess, the life experience. Because this is because these books are based off of uh, John Lewis's early life 
as a as an activist during the civil rights movement mm. and all the little details all the little things that you don't think about when you're taught about the civil rights movement in school he's going about over in these books and i really wanted it to kind of sink in his reality that it that it occurred in me trying to understand what it was what the message was i mean even you know he's talking about being a young kid his grand his uncle taking him for a you know trying to get him across country mm. to i forget what city that they were going to but they had to cross through these very very um the deep south states mm. and his he's, he mentioned that his uncle had a map out of all the approved places that he could go to without risking getting hurt oh, wow. and it makes you yeah it, it makes you realize how dangerous it was to be a black person in that era of America because you walk into the wrong shop and before you know it, just your presence there sparks an outrage and before you know it, you're being dragged across the road for some reason. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that is scary. It's, it's, not, it's not pleasant to think about. No, but it, I thought about that for weeks. Yeah. Thinking about like, man, what if that were my life now? If it was just my presence, I walk into a grocery store just to, you know, use the restroom and fill up on some snacks and I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I risk getting hurt just by making a stop. The wrong stop could get you killed. Yeah. Holy crap. Oh, man. Yeah, my so, yeah. Um, my mom got a, a copy of the March books for her birthday, and I haven't actually gotten a chance to finish those. I've only read the first volume myself. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, those those seem like some pretty powerful stuff. And, um, yeah. You know, definitely. Just started a, the second one. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of... Uh, a lot of insight, I'm sure, from the late John Lewis. So, yes. mm. a lot of cool stuff there. I feel bad. Like all, all <laughs> of my, uh, all of your books are like they have like such deep, deep, rich themes in them, and like all of mine are so like silly and basic, high concept. Like the yeah, the next book There's I have, nothing wrong with. Oh that. yeah, no, I mean I, 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 I loved reading them, but just. It's just what I choose to read. (laughs) It just feels a little little silly in comparison. But um, the final book I had to read for this month, or at least the one I'll give, you know, some detail on is uh, Hellboy and the BPRD, The Secret of Chesborough House. Um, Dark Horse is continuing to, you know, or not Dark Horse, but uh, Mignola and the Hellboy team are continuing to publish these books. And I I saw that they were putting out another one and, and I had been reading a lot of Hellboy lately and we got our cops for the Dark Horse books. I just, um, I was like, hey, I'll check this out. This looks like fun, and um, it was pretty fun. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's very basic. It's there's a, a house that is potentially haunted, and a guy who is looking to inherit said house wants Hellboy to take care of the haunting in a way that ensures that the house is fine and he will get his inheritance with no trouble. And there's like this, you know, faux like. Um, uh, I forget the word for it, but you know, like those people who claim to be like psychic or can see ghosts or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, I think South Park did a spoof off of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Due to unforeseen circumstances, this place is closed. It's like, how is it unforeseen? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like those kinds of fraud people. Uh, Hellboy has to deal with one of them, Madame Zemparelli, who's like basically saying, like, oh, you can sense this, and he's like, Hellboy's like, I've. I've seen actual ghosts, lady. Like you're such a fraud. I, I want nothing to do with you. Um, but it, it's a pretty standard, basic Hellboy adventure. It's got some pretty cool art from Sean McManus, who 
did some great stuff on uh, on Swamp Thing and some other books with Alan Moore if you've ever read them. So it was like it was just you know it was just a kind of a fun classic Hellboy and the BPRD type of story. So I just wanted to, to check that one out and I, I had I had a fun time reading it. Um, so yeah. Um, before we get into any kind of honorable mentions for the month of July, uh, Julie, is there any other books that you'd like to give, uh, or are there any other books you'd like to give, you know, your full thoughts on or just share before we move on? Um, I do want to share that I did finally get my hands on a copy of the nightly news for like 20 bucks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't read it yet, but I was skimming through the pages and I realized that I don't know how to read this book. Oh, it is. Trust me, it looks crazier than it actually is. My advice to you, it's so funny. I was literally flipping through my copy of the Nightly News the other day because I, I was um, I was I was making a list for my old high school teacher who um, teaches a, a course on graphic novels and um, she always kind of asks, you know, what books would you recommend would work for an academic setting and I was like, I was trying to think. I was like trying to rack my brain. Like, what would be some really good ones that you could really break down and just kind of think about? And I had a couple. I was like, oh my God, you know, it would be so great, especially now where, you know, people are talking about, you know, the power of the news and, and what's true and what's not and that whole craziness. Um, just definitely made me think of the nightly news. And like I said, um, it, it's such a really cool book visually and story wise, but it, I, I could definitely see what you mean where you flip through it and you're like, what the hell? Because it's got like all these graphs and charts and like data things. Just and random little paragraphs of, yeah, of words it, and it, letters. It, like, wait, wh- wh- where's the string? This this isn't a manga where I can just go, you know, read backwards and down. Yeah. So, yeah, my advice would be just kind of look for, um, once, once it starts to move away from the captions, just kind of look for the captions and the letters and... Um, occasionally there are some points where it has like this little segment called the voice. And I would say that's probably the most important stuff to kind of break down. Um, the other stuff is just, it's supposed to feel like visually assaulting because it's, you know, a story about information and, and news overload and how it can be overwhelming and controlling in a sense. So it's supposed to make you feel that. So if you're, if you're feeling that from the start, it's a good thing. Okay. <laughs> even even though it may you're seem supposed to feel that it's you're supposed to feel overwhelmed from the start but um yeah it's uh it's you know i i i think i reread it last year last june or july maybe um just because i was there was a lot of stuff going on and i was feeling some kind of way and i was like i just i feel like i need to reread this book um and um it just reminded me how much i loved the style um so yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you get a chance to pick it up. I, I'd love for us to get a chance to talk about it, um, even if only briefly uh, the next time we, we meet and record. But um, yeah, I would say don't, don't worry about feeling like you have to read every single thing that's on the page. Trust me, you don't. You can, um, but it's, uh, it's definitely not best. necessary. It's definitely not necessary. I'll do what I can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, before we... Uh, close out the show I just want to give some honorable mentions uh, and Julie if you have any honorable mentions feel free uh, to go ahead but um, these are just some books that I got a chance to read in July that um, you know I, I thought were some were pretty good some were really good but 
you know, I just, we don't really have full time to go into to too much detail, but um, uh, I'm reading a miniseries called The Many Deaths from, actually, I'll, I'll just kind of go by publisher. So I have two books from Boom Studios. One is a miniseries called The Many Deaths of Layla Starr and another series called We Only Find Them When They're Dead. One is kind of a, um, a magical realism book about the goddess of death coming to Earth to live in a mortal form and her having to process that situation while also having frequent encounters with the man who supposedly got her removed from her job as the goddess of death uh, as he will be someone who potentially invents the solution and cause to death. So it's it's a really... I'd say that's probably a pretty heavy and very reflective series on the influence and power of death across one lifetime and death, the goddess, actually kind of having to process that now that she's immortal because it's different when you're above it all. You have to live with everyone else. It's um, it's it's a lot heavier to take in. Uh, we Only Find Them When They're Dead is this epic space opera about mining gods. And this one is like, uh, there was a, the first initial story arc that kind of, focused on them trying to find a, a live god, this crew that mines gods, dead gods, trying to find a live one. And that's a whole adventure. You can find it in the first collection called The Seeker, but this one picks up like years down the road. And, you know, now people are like worshiping these gods. And it's a crazy story, but it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, uh, Black Hammer Visions number six is the anthology series from the Black Hammer universe. Much like the Silver Coin, it's a, a different writing team and, well, I guess also a different art team um, for each issue. This one focused on the character Cthulhu, who's like this plumber who is has the face of Cthulhu. It's it's, it's kind of silly, <laughs> but uh, it's a lot of fun, and I really like the series because it's just it's these fun little one shots and yeah, a lot of these cool Black Hammer characters. Um, that is from Dark Horse. Uh, Scumbag number nine is continuing the series, continuing the story of the Scumbag, um, which also has a revolving cast of artists. And um, this one was a really kind of gritty issue from John Wayshack, which I think was perfectly matched. Um, and it's just a lot of fun to read. And finally, uh, a book from the ever impossible to find, but somehow I managed to find it. Each time, uh, publisher Bad Idea, the fourth and final issue of ENIAC, um, came out, uh, I think, maybe a couple weeks ago, and that was a, a pretty solid ending, I would say. Um, just, you know, kind of rounding out the story and, and, and doing a, a, a good job of bringing it to a close. And even though I have now... And this was not intentional, by the way, but even though I have now bought, uh, what was it, I think three of the four issues across three different states, um, I still managed to complete the story, even though it felt like it was impossible to find them. Again, that was not intentional. One was literally just like I was living there at the time for college and then I was back home and then I was in vacation on California and they also had the final issue there. And so I ended up buying three issues of the series across different states, which was a, a very strange experience. But um, did you have any, any honorable mentions you wanted to give some time to Julie uh, before we close out for the day? 
Yes, actually. Um, well, I'm currently reading also a uh, Storm Fairy mm-hmm. by Osamu Tezuka, mm-hmm. and uh, my boyfriend is actually one that, the one that got his hands on it because mm-hmm. apparently it's like a very very what's the the print that it what's the word? There's not very many out in print production okay. and when they are they're pretty rare because there's not enough money to print all of these copies on a mass scale like most books or comic books are oh okay okay is it like so a, to get his, a self-published thing i think so okay. because looking at it there wasn't really much publisher mm. on it um but uh google says that uh storm fairy is a collection of three short stories by legendary manga ka asumo Asum- oh. yeah. Asamu Tezuka and I don't want to give away the story because <laughs> it's this guy's bread and butter um, yeah I don't know where, do you, where he got it but the, the animation style it's um think of like 1930s 1940s Mickey mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse much like that the eyes are you know very doughy everything's rounded out mm-hmm. but each panel has so much detail in each little one it's insane. It, mm. It's I need glasses to read this. I need to get a microscope and look at all these little details that he's put into each and every single panel. It's a work of art, each one. Wow. And the the story itself breaks the wall sometimes. Like there's a point where for some reason, uh, the characters in that panel get engulfed in smoke, and one of them says, "There's so much smoke in here, I can't even squeeze in my own word bubble." <laughs> 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 little cute things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's definitely uh, worth... I'm sorry? Oh, no, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. D- definitely worth uh, checking out if you can get your hands on it. Yeah. I, I was just going to ask, because um, I know you know most manga is published this way, but is it in black and white? Cause, yes. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Like I hear some people say that you know black and white, it kind of... It can take away from the experience of having it in color. But I honestly think it can... When you have the right shades and tones, it can actually bring out a lot more detail. I think with this style of artistry, color would just distract you because there's mm. so many little details in the black and white that there's already a lot going on. And then to add color on top of that, whoa, to the eyes. Yeah, it would just, it would just be so crazy. Like <laughs> It'd um, be too much. I, I, I don't read a ton, or I don't really watch a ton of horror, but I, I would say I read a decent amount. But I, I've kind of been trying to read more manga lately, and I've been reading stuff from... Junji Ito and like that is in black and white and it has a ton of detail um, especially around people's faces and eyes it's crazy um, and I, I feel like that's a case where if it was published in color it would totally just take away from the experience of having it in black and white and really bringing out some of the crazy detail that uh, is in the expressions and stuff like that yeah I mean it feels like I'm watching a Nickelodeon in the 1930s <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts? Go read. Go support your local bookshops and comic book shops. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, take a chance to check out some of the books we mentioned. I think they're all really great and definitely worthy of, of more attention if you're just looking for something fun uh, to read. Um, and maybe next time when we, you know, kind of do our check in and review some of the books that we've had a chance to read, we can kind of also talk about. Uh, I, I know you mentioned some graphic novels, but I, I kind of focus more on single issues. But 
uh, you know, I, I, maybe I should talk about some of the other graphic novels I got a chance to read um, over you know the past month or week or so because I feel like that that's also a, a good way to talk about some good stuff out there. But um, I mean, do your thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's no wrong way to do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But with that out of the way, that's the show. We hope you had fun. We definitely did. Um, we will be back at some point uh, in the future uh, to talk more about some indie comics. And uh, we hope you'll stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. Uh, with that, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Be good to yourself. And don't be a robot. Oh, yeah, be kind to others. Oh, that, that works too. <laughs>